This is episode number 186 of the Rising Man podcast with Ben Bidwell. Will you show me your heart if I show you mine? Yo, Rising Man Familia, welcome back. Thank you for joining me here today. My name is Jetty Azuma. I'm the host and creator of this podcast and the founder of the Rising Man Movement. Delighted to bring to you another amazing guest for the podcast today. Before we do, I've been inviting more and more of you men to join us inside of our 12-week online course called Ignite. This is the absolute 100% best jump off launch pad for you as a man starting your journey into men's work. It has an amalgamation of some of the greatest personal development practices, exercises, and distinctions that I learned on my journey to getting started in men's work and being able to lead men's circles and doing the work I do today. The Ignite course is 12 weeks long and it takes you through, like I said, some really deep processes on working with your parents, getting more clear on your vision, letting go of a lot of the outer influences that are affecting you on a conscious and unconscious level. Really the things that will help you open your life up and to create a design for how you want to be. Nothing more, nothing less. So if you're interested in that, if you're looking to get something going, if you've never really done a course or something to establish some of these baseline values and standards you have for your life, then Ignite is the way to go. Head over to risingman.org slash Ignite and check it out today. All right, fam, I've got a guest today who's coming all the way in from London, England. His name is Ben Bidwell, aka The Naked Professor. He's a mindset and purpose coach, writer and public speaker who's living his own purpose by inspiring others to achieve their deepest potential. In July 2017, he launched his blog, The Naked Professor, where he articulates the importance of mental health and personal development by stripping away the masks of masculinity. In 2021, he launched HeartSpace, a platform for connection and personal growth, and he is now pioneering a revolution that is encouraging men to open up and connect more with their emotions while still retaining their sense of masculinity. In this episode, true to form, Ben got us started off with some real shares right off the bat. From there, we identified the gift of relatability, how Ben sharing his immediate truth was an invitation for me to share mine and a doorway to greater connection for both of us. We then examined the history of conflict among men, why conflict is a good and necessary thing for growth and how we can rewrite the purpose and function of it. We both shared our first experiences with real vulnerability, connecting back to how uncomfortable and scary it was in the beginning. We also spoke about leadership and how we view leaders as being the ones willing to go the deepest. We also spoke about feeling fragile and how we are all more resilient than we think we are. And lastly, we reflected on the animal kingdom and how animals don't take themselves so seriously and where we as humans can learn more from them. Without further ado, Ben Bidwell. Rising Man community, I've got another man joining me here today for what I'm sure is going to be a great conversation. Ben Bidwell coming in live from London in the UK. How are you doing today, bro? Oh, you know, I feel it's my duty to answer that question truthfully, you know, to, to, uh, for me, it's the biggest question any of us could ask one another. Mm -hmm. How are we? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how it is so much in the States, but in England, we pass it off. You know, we say, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Mm -hmm. And it's done, you know, this big question. So... If you're happy, I'll just drop into the space and share share, share my truth. Please do. Um, thank you. Um, how am I? You know, um, in this moment, I'm truly present and honored to sit in the space. I love these conversations. I get a sense that this is going to flow really beautifully. 
uh, in the kind of wider world and generally how I'm at, I, I feel in a space almost where I could feel anything right now. You know, there's so much uncertainty and with that, there's an element of fear and just, yeah, question. You know, I don't feel very grounded at the moment. At the same time, I do feel really excited and purposeful. And I kind of flitter between these states, you know, what, what, depending on what comes into my life, what energy is, is coming in in that day. And I can have days where I'm like so on it, I feel so ready and so purposeful and yes, the future. And another day where I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is hard work right now. Mm. What's going to happen next? And I'm um, kind of changing between those energies. But um, in this moment, I feel present and really uh, ready to sit in the space with you. So thank you for having me. That's beautiful. Man. How about you, brother? Thank you. Well, well, before I respond, I just want to thank you for your your pause to really check in with yourself. I think that's that alone is such a great <laughs> great message for guys to be hearing, myself to be hearing too. We get so regimented in our responses that it becomes inauthentic, and that extra moment of pause is, is so critical. So, before I respond, I wanted to ask if you were willing to be a, a little bit more specific of what what do you think specifically is driving you towards what you're experiencing and feeling right now. Truthfully, from my heart, it's it's been a hard 18 months with this lockdown. You know, I've changed my business model. Financially, I don't feel in a, an abundant place right now. Mm-hmm. And with that, it creates a lot of question. You know, I think in the world that we live in, finances creates a, a safety net around us. And there's a bit of uncertainty for me around that. Uh-huh. And I, I lack a bit of freedom around it. You know, I don't feel like I can just choose, my, make, make the choices that perhaps I'd want to in the past. Mm. So the, I carry a bit of weight with that at the moment. But it's okay. You know, it's it's... It's been a tough 18 months. There's been big changes and I'm okay with that, but it does carry a weight. Mm. Um, and then it's also the big question for me, what, do I want to be in London? Mm. Do I, want, I spent 18 years in London and the last 18 months, I felt quite claustrophobic with, with lockdowns and I live in a two-bedroom flat in London and I haven't traveled and I feel, is this really where I want to be? Mm. So a lot of questions, a lot of some weight around with that. Wow, man. I'm so glad you decided to share and really live in your message of vulnerability. I'm glad that I asked also for you to be a little bit more specific because here it is, right? Here's the medicine. We're finding the the intersections of relatability because I'm in very much the same position. So I'll, I'll take my opportunity to check in with myself, how I'm feeling. Right in this moment, I'm feeling the sunshine. I'm feeling the warmth. And that is, I woke up and we get these mornings where it's very gray, kind of like a fog layer because we're near the coast. And so when I wake up in the morning and I'm not feeling fully rested and my kids are screaming for breakfast, there's like a heaviness. So right around this time for us, it's about 1045 in the morning. The sun is coming in, it's cooking off the fog layer and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel like, okay, here's life again. So that's the visceral feeling I have. And probably for the past two weeks, really specifically the past 10 days, I've been in this just up and down. It's like being on one of those crazy roller coasters, not the not the ordinary ones that go gently. It's like zoom, 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 up and down, <laughs> left and right. And I feel like I'm being tossed around trying to maintain my center around very specific, similar things that you mentioned, feeling the challenges of a very new working situation for me have had to do the same thing with my business and my work, like almost all of us in the past year and a half. Also feeling not in abundance right now, had had over $20,000 of business walk away in the past two weeks, which is crazy, (laughs) especially thinking of my wife and my family and thinking about, all right, how are we going to get through the next couple of months while things build up again? And also at the same time, seeing that that's an opportunity for me to gain more strength and develop my constitution to be more, more strong, more resilient. And 
And there's a huge part of me that just doesn't want that. It's like, okay, uh, can I have that lesson like six months from now, please? <laughs> I'd really, I'd really rather just, you know, have a little bit of something to stand on because the past three months have also been really hard. People who've been listening know that my whole family and I got COVID, I had another uh, family member have a serious injury that we had to support her with. And then one of my closest friends passed away suddenly from an accidental overdose. And it's just like one thing after the next, after the next. And yet life continues and and you have to keep floating, keep paddling to stay afloat in the ocean. So, you know, even just in this first few minutes of us jamming here, man, I'm feeling the medicine of that. And I'm imagining the men who will hear this. I'm thinking how many guys are going to hear this conversation between you and I, and are going to say, wow, I wonder how I would feel if I was having that conversation with somebody else, that level of honesty. So thank you for leading in that capacity and also making space for me to share that myself. Thank you. It's um, it's always an honor for me to set in these spaces. And I feel like we all have an opportunity to create that space by leading, you know, by showing that we're willing to sit there. And I, I've done it before, you know, where, you know, even in my family, how are you? And I'd say, this is how I'm feeling. And they wouldn't have a clue what to do because mm. we're not used to holding that space. Right. But I think a big part of my life is, you know, I, I'm 39 now. I went for 30 years without connection, really, you know, basic ticking boxes, like, talking about sport and whatever was kind of on the surface, it was easy, obtainable and never really getting in. And now I've found the space of diving deeper and, and feeling in, you know, you said like, how would it feel for some, for some men to have this conversation? And as you said that, you know, I just, for me, it makes me feel alive. Mm. You know, I feel alive. I feel connected to you. I feel like we can take this conversation wherever, wherever it needs to go now. Mm-hmm. And there's no judgment. It's, there's a safety. There's a, we see each other. I see you. Yeah. And that's what I live for mm-hmm. now. So it's just an honor and, and just, yeah, a beautiful thing for me to sit in the space with you. Beautiful, man. So thank you. I feel similarly, you know, I, I just got the sense in my body that I, I would, I would go and I would charge up a mountain with you. I don't know why, but like, maybe that was something we wanted to do and I would trust you to do that. Even just a simple yeah. connection in that way. And it's something I've experienced and witnessed in many capacities in rooms of hundreds of men and in circles of just a few, where as soon as we pull back the veil remove the mask and start talking about what we're really feeling, there's almost an instant trust that is developed. I'll I'll even call it that. I'd I'd say instant trust. It may not be the deepest trust that's attainable, but certainly many layers deeper than what we typically achieve on a day-to-day basis and in most of our relationships. I've been with guys who were complete strangers upon entering a room. And 30 minutes later, after going through an exercise of honesty and transparency, sharing vulnerable truths, are in tears because they've sharing something they've never said to anyone else on this planet that nobody else knows about them. And I I talk about this. I I mean, how many times have I mentioned this on the podcast or in conversation, but you really don't understand it until you've had that experience until you've had that experience, especially as a man among other men, you don't know what that feels like. You're, you're just hearing some guy on a microphone talk about this. You're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well that sounds nice, but kind of weird. And I really just want to use this opportunity to implore men to, if you haven't had that opportunity to seek it, to find it somewhere. Cause it's, it's, it literally is life-changing. It was for me. I hear you brother. Yeah, it was for me too. And uh, the hard thing with it, I think is that, you know, for 30 years, if someone talked to me about this because I didn't know, because I didn't know the other side, I'd never experienced it. I didn't know what I was missing out on. There was no drive. There was no ambition to experience it until it happened. Mm-hmm. Until I sat in a room and someone stood in front of me who I judged, who I looked up and down and, you know, they were wearing weird clothes and they looked a bit funny and I just thought they were not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. You know, I made all the stories up about them 
And uh, sorry, not my cup of tea. That's probably an English phrase, but not my type of person. Yeah. And then, you know, five minutes later, they've stood and shared a story of their truth. And, and suddenly it's like, I understand why you appear how you do, how you're acting, how you do, and all these judgments I made about you. They don't matter. I, I, now I see you. I mm, see you. Yeah. And, and I feel connected to you. And what, like, I feel drawn to you now in this moment because now I've just seen their truth. Mm. Then I experienced that. And I remember having experiences like that and, and coming away thinking, geez, I've had friends for 20 years and I've never felt that level of intimacy with that stranger who I judged for being different to me. Mm. And I want that in my life. And, that, and that was, then that was like, right, okay, well, what about me standing on that stage mm. and me sharing my truth and letting people see me like I saw that person? to allow it to become a two-way thing yeah that was how i i experienced it and but i just didn't know i was missing out on that i don't know how it was for you how you discovered it because when it's when we haven't had it we don't know do we like you said yeah it was actually pretty terrifying for me the first time i witnessed it because my the the first experience that comes to mind is sitting in a i was invited to sit with a men's team of men who were all twice my age. I was 25 years old. I was looking for what I found, but I didn't know exactly what I was looking for. I was like, I need to be around elder men. Don't know why, but I'm sure they got something that I don't know about. And in the first meeting that I was there, I'm sitting there watching these guys. In one moment, it looked like they were going to go to blows. One guy was pushing on this guy so much. And I was like, wow, I'm I'm uncomfortable. Am I going to have to break up a fight? Am I going to have to step back so these guys can go at it? And within 10 minutes, they were in tears. And they were embracing because there was that dynamic masculine energy that needed to work itself out. So that even though it wasn't the type of vulnerability where a guy's on stage sharing with hundreds of other men, I've seen that too. But my first experience was very intimate and it was very real. It was a man challenging another man about something he wasn't seeing about himself in his life and didn't want to see. But seeing another man go to bat for that man, it was it made me terribly uncomfortable. Like <laughs> I was, I was like, I, I was like worms crawling in my skin. Like I got to get out of here. Where's the door? We're outside. There is no door. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I was there with men that I trusted already. You know, I was invited by a man that I trusted who said, Hey, this will be, this will be a good thing for you to experience. And so I stuck around and the repetitions helped continue to build the trust. I, I, as I think about it, little by little, I was feeling the insecurities in myself peeling away. I was feeling, okay, I can trust this. Okay, when when guys are in conflict and disagreement with each other, it doesn't mean someone's going to get hurt. It doesn't have to mean that. It might, but it doesn't have to. That another man sharing his, we used to say, show me you're ugly, right? Show me you're ugly. And, and, you know, jokingly, because it's not really ugly, right? It's the most beautiful thing in the world. Seeing men show they're ugly and then be have the, the container tighten around that instead of loosen and withdraw. So yeah, my, my first experience was like, I, I wanted to run and hit the door, especially I think because I was with guys twice my age and I'm like, ah, I'm not ready for this. What if I told them about all of the things that they don't know about me? And over the years really got to see, okay, well, that's not true. These guys genuinely do care about me. And they're more frustrated when, I, when I'm resistant <laughs> to peeling back the, the veil because they know what's there. They've been there before and they can relate. So yeah, that was my first experience. I wonder if you can transport back in time to yours. Yeah, I totally can. I just want to honor. I just wanted to, um, you know, we're taught in this world that conflict just by default is, is, is ugly, you know, even that word, right? Mm-hmm. And um, your automatic instinct was like, this is uncomfortable. Get me out of here. And yet conflict is so important, right? I'm sure like in terms of we want to live in a space and we want to be able to share our truth, which... I think we're already learning, but learning is, is key for, for connection, mm-hmm. sitting in the space. Then sometimes we're not going to agree. But like you said, 
like honoring that conflict and, and, and recognizing it doesn't have to be violence or aggression. It can be just shared to people coming from different spaces and honored and respected and sure, have it out. And then beautiful. Thank you for allowing me that space to hug, whatever it is, clear the space, move on. And it's said and it's done and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a really beautiful thing. I'll go back to my, my first taste of, of vulnerability actually in a slightly different capacity, if you don't mind, because um, I started this journey in 39, I started this journey at 30, and um, my desire was just to change the experiences I had around sex. That was why I was working with someone. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any interest in becoming more emotional, being more vulnerable, connecting with my truth, any of these. I was like, whatever, that's not my thing. But I did want to have a different experience around sex. Mm-hmm. I'd always struggle to orgasm is my story. Mm-hmm. That was my motive for working with a hypnotherapist at the time. You know, she knew, she knew that she was going to be connecting me to my emotions and stripping me back and teaching me who I really was in my language. But I didn't know that at the time. Mm. And uh, about two months in, maybe less, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, but early on in our journey, she invited me to, to send some flowers to my mum and to tell her that I loved her, which is, I never told her I loved her. And I have a beautiful mum, an amazing mum who... I'd always loved, always had a beautiful relationship with, but never been able to share because as a man, I don't do that. You know, what my brothers think, what my friends think, mm. telling my mum, mm-hmm. getting all soppy with my mum. Yeah. You know, what they, I just couldn't do it. And so I sent some flowers um, on the basis that I, I really just thought this was part of my journey to having better sex. I sent some flowers to my mum and that sounds wrong, doesn't it? Involving my mum and this wanting to have better sex, but uh, I don't mean it that way. But <laughs> I follow you. This is part of my, yeah, exactly. Part of my um, connecting my emotions. So I sent this, this flowers and, and this card saying, mum, I never tell you this, but I just want you to know that I'm really grateful for you and I love you a lot. I remember her phone call and I remember thinking, oh God, here we go. Like, how am I going to handle this? Mm. And her just sort of, you know, I could hear the emotion in her voice straight away and I kind of was trying to wriggle out of it a bit. And I was uncomfortable. There was part of me that was uncomfortable in that moment. But there was also this other whisper inside of me that was like, I'm so glad you did that. Mm. Like, it's so good that your mum knows how you feel. Like, that's your truth, that she knows that. However uncomfortable it is, this is your truth. And, you know, my journey from ever since that moment really was choosing those uncomfortable things that, and choosing that path that is my truth, that, that sure hurts in some capacity or is uncomfortable in some capacity, but I know deep down is my truth. Mm. So like, you know, for now it's like, you know, lean into the things that make me cringe mm. because there's truth in there. The cringe is just a load of bullshit. Excuse my language, but it's it's just society's impressions mm. so often. Yeah. You know, trying to tell you who you should be as opposed to who you really are. Who I really am is a man who loves his, his mum. And I never was being that person. Mm. I did love her, but I wasn't expressing that. Mm-hmm. So that was my earliest kind of memory of stepping into truth, if you like, or allowing myself to to step into some vulnerable shoes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a beautiful share, man. Thanks for going into that story a bit more. How did you know that that was where you needed to go? I mean, was there some sort of sense that that was the direction you needed to head in? Just that I knew it was my truth. You know, if someone says, do you love your mom? It's like, yeah, of course I do. Like so much, you know, if she were to go, it would be devastating. Mm. But do you share that with her? No. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, what's up? What's going on? The disconnect. Disconnect, fear. Mm. You know, who I should be. I was wearing a mask, you know, because that was a vulnerable space in my, in my head to share my emotion like that. Sure. So I just always like, what is your truth? You know, I, always, I come to this place always and try and figure like, is this, am I being who I learned to be? 
or am I, am I being who I really am? And I don't care how uncomfortable being who I really am is. It's who I've got to be. Mm-hmm. That's if I want to feel aligned, if I want to feel harmonious, you know, if I want to feel truly present. Mm-hmm. The, the way I always go to it is that I, I, I have a, there's, there's what I think and there's what I know. Mm. And that's my easiest way. It just knows. It might not make sense. I can't tell you why I love my mom or what love is or whatever, but I just know I do. Mm-hmm. It's just a knowing. So that's, yeah. Do you have a similar kind of space that you drop into that you know is your truth? Yeah. When I speak about this, I usually talk about that visceral sense that usually shows up somewhere in my torso, in my gut region or in my chest that it also shows up for me just around integrity. I guess you could say truth, integrity, honor. Those those are all visceral sensations I experience and have experienced my whole life. There was just times where I was able to override that with the voice of fear or the voice of doubt or what might happen. Uh, I'm not going to pay attention to that voice because this is it's going to hurt if I do what feels right. But so over time, I've learned to really tune into that. And I think it's a matter of repetitions, demonstrating to that part of myself that's afraid that when I do this, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be shamed, ridiculed, cast aside, kicked out of the community for who I am and how I am, which you know, I, I don't think we need to try and break it down too much because it's pretty clear that that comes from what we learn as children, the beliefs that we have, the legacy of information that's been handed down from one generation to the next around needing to appear strong, needing to appear like you got all your stuff together, those stories and being the low hanging fruit on the playground, right? If you had a big nose or you had, you know, really thick glasses or you couldn't run very well, you weren't coordinated, you smelled funny, you had clothes that were too small for you. Any one of those things was a reason or an opportunity for other kids to direct the attention away from themselves. Cause you know, as children, we're all insecure about something. We all just want to belong. And there, I was actually just talking about this with someone else yesterday around competition as men, where there's this idea that I get further ahead by pushing other people down. Instead of focusing on myself and raising myself up, if I chop down the trees next to me a few inches, then it appears as though I'm getting higher, but I'm actually not, it's all relative. And so I think I think that's a huge part of it for me is just recognizing where that came from. And as I've gotten older and as I've gone through this work myself, I, I heavily believe that the leader in any room or in any group of people is the one who's willing to go the deepest, right? Who, who's got their feet buried into the soil the deepest right now who's willing because that that's the invitation for everyone to go to that level as well but there's got to be somebody who's willing to go the deepest first and it can be anyone any one of us can do that in any moment Mm, that's really beautiful brother yeah and it's against almost what we're taught right you know and i um i just i I follow i love brenny brown brenny brown's work and she talks about how kind of being cool is an emotional straitjacket that was my life you know i was rather than deep i wanted to be cool and cool is is not deep <laughs> for me. Cool was was the opposite of that. It was really shying away from any of that stuff. And the way I lived my life was not being deep. Mm. I don't want to go deep. Keep it light. Keep it playful. Keep it silly. Mm-hmm. Let's not go into anything serious. And and really inside of me, that's what I craved. Mm-hmm. That's what I was really seeking. Um, I think that's a big part of my passion now. And sitting in spaces like this, having conversations with you, why I'm so grateful and so passionate about that is because it was my truth for 30 years and it was buried Mm. and now it's allowed out and it's celebrated and I get to have conversations like this and step into who I really am Mm -hmm. it's like wow you know I am so and I see so many men in the same same space 
You know, so many men who have tried to be that warrior all their life mm -hmm. because that's who they thought they needed to be. And then they give, they're given space to connect with their heart, to open up and share a deeper side of them of what they truly feel. Suddenly they're lighter, suddenly they're freer, suddenly it's like this new world exists within them. And it always was there, mm. always was there. However tough they played it, however hard they appeared, it was still there. Mm. And I truly believe, you know, every man has a soft, gentle, loving heart. Mm -hmm. It's just they lived in a world that said, no, that's not the way to thrive. I don't know if that resonates with you. I don't know if you played that out. Well, it certainly does. I think uh, I, I want to get your perspective on vulnerability in general, because one of the things that we heard for so long is that women or the feminine wants the masculine to soften. I want you to show me your emotions. I want to know how you're feeling. And while I do think that there's a, an element of truth to that, I also think that there's a side where I don't really believe that men can be fully vulnerable, especially with, let's just talk about with our partners, right? There's, there's certain things that I won't, just won't share with my partner, especially in a certain context, because it's, it's going to drive fear in her. And part of me providing is being able to take care of the well-being of our family. And I also think that it, to zoom it out from the partnership realm, I don't believe that vulnerability for men should be going on your Instagram page and just spilling your guts about everything that concerns you because there's no consideration for the kind of container that that's being received in. And I think that's, it's an important thing to recognize. So just balancing out that side of the vulnerability spectrum, because I do believe that every one of us could benefit from opening up more. And we have different degrees to which we're at with that as individuals. But I do think it's important to also speak about the flip side of this, about being discerning about where and when and how we choose to be vulnerable. And it's a, it's a balancing act, I think, right? Yeah, I hear you, brother. I, um, I love to play this out because I, I totally hear you. And, and it's really interesting to hear that. I think um, I, I do say it a little differently uh -huh. in, in, in truth. I, I feel that, you know, for me, I'm really, um, I, I crave that space. And perhaps this comes back to childhood of really feeling seen. And for me, I, I don't want to leave anything on the table. So the difference with it, I think that I'm really learning is that true vulnerability is never coming from a, a state of, of, you know, being a victim of being poor me and, and, being vulnerable is, is not about like, I haven't got this, save me. Like we're in trouble here. Mm. True vulnerability for me is saying, hey, like things aren't perfect right now, but I've got it. I'm owning this and it's okay. I'm not mm. drowning. I'm not defined by this. It's not consuming me. Mm. I'm sitting in this space and I'm sharing this because I'm ready. Mm. And we're, 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 this is just the truth. I'm, I'm showing up for this and it's not owning me. I'm owning it. Death. And I think that is it. It for me and in that space i like to think and i don't know because you can't split i don't have a family and i think this is where it's different mm -hmm. you know it's for me it's all on me so i i, I don't have anyone other than myself right. so um i think that's a very different space and you, you i hear what you're saying in that sense mm -hmm. for me in, in my single space without anyone else around me i really seek putting someone really deeply into me and that's and, and it takes a, a strong woman because i'm sharing everything not because i'm drowning in it not because i'm defined by it not because i'm screwed and i'm stuck but because I'm owning it and it's okay and I'm ready. Yes. Well, and I think that's the, the distinction. I'm in alignment with that myself because sharing it from a space of I'm on top of it, even if I don't know the solution that my feet are on the ground with this, I'm not spiraling out. That's the distinction for me. That's where it would be unsafe for me to share certain things with my wife. Let's just yeah. use finances for example, right? On those days where I'm really spinning out about, oh my God, man, how, am I, how are we going to bring it together this month? I really don't know. And I'm in that space of, of panic, of overwhelm that we're all susceptible to. 
that for me is not the moment to go to my wife and say, Hey, let's be vulnerable here and tell you all the ways in which I think we're fucked, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yes. so for me, that's where I, I go and I talk to one of my men, talk to one of the guys on my team, just kind of get grounded, zeroed in again. It usually doesn't take much. Sometimes actually I, I've, I've mentioned this before. Sometimes I call there's men in my life. I'll call them. They don't answer their phone, but I just hear their voicemail like, Hey, you've reached so-and-so I'm not here right now. Leave a message. And just hearing their voice because I've gone through so many repetitions with them, I know exactly what they would say to me. Like, oh yeah, no, I get it, man. Yeah, oh, I've been there before. Yep, yep. I remember you were here two years ago. You figured it out then. You're gonna figure it out now. What do you got to do first? Okay. And it helps me get back to that place of I'm I'm on it. I think you said I'm owning it, right? Here's what's true. It's uncomfortable. Even if I don't know the answer, I'm moving towards it, and I'm I'm gonna be okay. I think the reason I, I speak about vulnerability the way I did before is because I also know there's some men that maybe this is the very first time they're considering what if I opened up and to make that first step be that gargantuan leap to let me just air everything out and see what happens could have some consequences to it. So that's where I'm coming from with it. Yeah, I totally hear you. And I, I think a massive part of really feeling safe to, to express the, the, the vulnerable truth inside of you, which for me really is what vulnerability is. It's the truth of what's within you is knowing who you can express it to or who the right person is. Right. And sometimes, you know, if you're going to share something with your wife and she's going to go, oh my God, I can't believe this. This is panic stations. Like we're absolutely screwed. That's not really helping the situation. And you tell your mate who says, hold on, like, you know, you've been through this. Let's work this out. What matters most? Where can we get into here? You know, that practical masculine energy that can help you move forward. Right. Then that, and that I think is a big part of vulnerability. You know, we, you've got to know your audience. You've got to know who is willing to hold the space for you in a way that will help. Because it's a vulnerable moment, mm -hmm. a vulnerable moment, and you go the wrong way, and it can take you further. That's why we, we pick our audience, right? So that's a great point. I agree with that too. So, in your opinion, what do you think is uh, how, how does someone go about picking the right audience, the audience that can really hold that? Yeah, I think well, you know, everyone has different skills, right? Everyone has different, and we have different types of friends. Like I don't know about you, but I, I kind of just feel into the sense, like who do I need right now? Mm -hmm. Like, do I need some creative inspiration? Like, who's who do I know? Which one of my friends is creative? Like, who can take me into that space and help give me some inspo around some of this stuff? And do I need just some support and some kindness and just my space to be to just to be heard? Then maybe it's you know maybe it's my mom, maybe it's my partner. Or, it's just feeling into that. I don't think anyone can tell you, you, you know, the relationship, you know, how some of your friends will, will respond. Just like almost you said, you get their voice note, you hear their, their voice, mm -hmm. you automatically can feel into what, what, what they would give you. And sometimes we get it wrong. You know, I've done it before and I pick up the phone, I have a chat with my friend, I come off it and I'm like, no, that wasn't what I needed right now. Mm -hmm. That, that didn't, I, I don't feel any better. Mm -hmm. And that's not their fault or, or it's just everyone has their skills, right? Knowing what we need, I think is the, yeah. And I, th I think, I know for myself, I underestimated the capacity of the people around me, but going back in time to when I was 25 years old, this was all starting to happen for me. I was underestimating the capacity that my, the friends I already had around me were capable of, you know, how, how, what they could hold, what level of intimacy they were willing to go to with me. And so just, I, I guess, just opening the door up a little bit by being in, in that men's circle invited me to have those conversations with the guys that I'd been in relationship with for six, seven years that we'd done a lot of stuff together, but hadn't had those vulnerable conversations. I think what it is, I decided to take a risk. I said, you know what? I care more about continuing this relationship with this person. And at this point, I know that if we just stay on the surface, it's not going to be as deep as it can be. And if we're not able to go to that depth, then that's fine, but at least I'll know. 
So someone has to take a risk and someone's got to be willing to go first. And in some cases, that was me. In other relationships, it was somebody else. But somebody's got to take that first plunge. It's like it's like when you're dating someone for the first time, it's like, who's going to make the move? Who's going to go in for the first kiss, right? It's that, it's that intimate moment where somebody says, all right, here's my heart. Are you going to show me yours? And yeah. I would say pretty consistently, my decision to lead with vulnerability was met by someone else's compassion, empathy, and then inspiration to share for themselves. Not always, not a hundred percent of the time, because some people just aren't willing to go there, but also knowing that that's not about me. That doesn't make my vulnerability any less valuable or legitimate. That's just a reflection of where that person is at. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And it's in that sense, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a game, isn't it? We can't always know there has to be a, you know, that that's how friendships grow. It's like, you just push the boundary a little bit more. Hey, you know, and you have an experience with them where you're like, Whoa, Hey, I didn't realize we could go there, but I'm so glad we did. I feel like I see you more deeply now. And I feel, you know, our friendship has grown now, but like you say, the only way we do that is by testing the waters, putting, you know, another foot a little bit farther and what happens next. And I know I, I used to think I was so fragile too. I actually just had a memory of, let's see, I must have been, it was right when I was 25, all the stuff I had a 25, the year, 25th year for me, it was a huge year. I had a bunch of experiences relocated from New York to California. And I just remembered having a conversation with a, a young lady that I met and traveled with for a bit. One day she just said to me, she's like, you're not as fragile as you think you are. And I was like, what are you talking? I, she'd known me for like three days at this point. And she's <laughs> like, you're not as fragile as you think you are. I was like, uh, what are you talking about? And she was younger than me. So I'm like, who are you? Are you some sort of alien telling me some, <laughs> some messages from the ether? <laughs> but she was right on because I, I thought that I needed certainty in everything. I needed certainty, especially when it came to vulnerability. I needed to know that you were going to receive this. Otherwise, I don't know if I'll be able to handle the rejection, the letdown, the disappointment. But we're more resilient than we think we are. Absolutely. And, and if we don't give of ourselves course. those opportunities to say, okay, well, that didn't go the way that I wanted it to. What now? I'm still alive. I still have a pulse. Didn't feel very good. Okay. Well, that's information for next time. But I think we have to have more of those experiences. Uh, you know, some people would call them failures or just, you know, the outcome being different than you thought it would be. But mm. I think those are so necessary, specifically when it comes to opening ourselves up. I think, you, like you said a second ago, it's that. It's taking that understanding that this is not about me, you know, that they, they weren't in a space to receive that. And that's okay. But I can pick up the phone to someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, I can speak to someone else. It's okay. Mm. I like, you know, the, the stories that we make, I, I love, you know, every day I go by and something sound a bit crazy, but I just, I look at dogs as such a beautiful teacher for us in terms yeah. of, the, you know, the, the lack of stories that they make up. You know, if, if, if I wasn't a dog person and a dog comes over to me and it's like, hey, 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 you know, trying to just love me like they do. And I'm like, oh, hey, I'm not really a dog person, whatever. Like, sure away, dog. Like, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. A dog doesn't go, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Am I too big? Am I too small? Like, does it not like, why does he not like me? What's, what's happened? Am I having, is my hair bad today? Uh -huh. all, all these stories. Like, oh my God, I can't, now I can't go and speak to that person because there's something wrong with me. Like, he just showed me that. The dog's just like, hey, cool, you're doing your thing. I'm going to go uh, and see if this person likes me. Mm -hmm. and, and there's no stories around it. As humans, we love making stories, don't we, that we carry with us. And like, mm -hmm. oh, and just, can we just, <laughs> so much of my journey, I continue and I just continue to dig deeper and fall deeper into the solution always for us all. Mm. Just this presence, you know, and we're just truly present without these stories, without this bullshit of who we should be, of like what that meant and what this and did and we just center into like the truth of right now, then that's me at my best, mm. you know?
That's me and my truth. I really like that example of dogs. I'm just imagining being in the brain of a dog. I mean, sometimes I think that's one of the consequences of having evolved our brains to the tremendous capacity we have is it also creates a lot more processing power for all of the minutia. Like, oh my God, is it my hair? Is it the way that I smell? Is it my, I didn't brush my teeth this morning. Uh Oh, do they sense too much thinking? Right? It's like way too much yeah. thinking and all these other animals that have smaller brains. Sure. They're not as evolved as we are, but they're also way more embodied, right? They're, they're living yeah. from the neck down. They're living off of their instincts. And I guess time will tell. I have a really strong belief that part of the downfall of society is that we're so much in our heads. And I think, I think I've even heard people project that as our brains continue to grow and the, and the size of our cranium continues to grow, that that will continue to, to cause more birthing challenges. There's, there's, I saw, I've seen some statistics recently that there's been a greater challenge in women having natural births because the size of the head is just becoming too big. And so anyway, I guess that's kind of, that, that could spin us off into a different direction, but I, just to say that I, we, we get in our heads a lot. We have the ability to make up these really elaborate stories. And when you sit back and look at it, you're like, why do I, why does that matter? the stranger and, and how I my I didn't brush my teeth. Is that, do I really care? Do I really care about how that lands? But yeah, that's real. Very few things actually matter. You know, stories, geez, the complications we make in our heads mm-hmm. that, that animals don't get so involved in and we live in the stress, you know, I think what is it that one of the regrets of the dying, you know, it's just, they just wish that they could have let go of all the, all the shit. I've just made that up. I feel like it's one of the regrets of the dying. If it's not one of the regrets of the dying, I feel like it should be. I feel, yeah. But, yeah, it's like, well, you know, you get so stressed about all this stuff and like, actually, you know, is there stress in this present moment when we're here having this conversation? Mm. Or is it just the stories we tell ourselves about everything and all the stresses that we've had in the past? Has it all been okay? Mm-hmm. Has it all been okay? How is it right now? So I just, uh, yeah, I totally hear you, brother. I totally hear you. And yeah, I've lo- one of the things I love about animals, not to, to take it in a different place again, but what they, what they do is, you know, they shake it out. Then you see it, you see a a deer or uh, something come under attack after it by a lion and the lion chases it and it gets away. And if you watch it, you know, it's just, it's stops, shakes it out. And then it starts eating the grass again, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. whereas we keep the story like, God, I must always be scared because once I got attacked, mm. you know, and I'm going to keep that story in my head so far. So whenever I go to this place, I'm always going to be fearful. Yeah. And all it does is stop us to be present in that moment. That was something that always fascinated me about people who had, legitimate phobias, like people who couldn't get on an elevator, people who were scared of heights, people who were afraid of fish, like some some of the ones that are really obscure. You're like, well, why are you afraid of, you know, apples? I mean, like for everything, right? Everyone has a reason and, and that it all traces back to an unprocessed trauma. Like you said, there's, there's so many of those, so many of those that we had ineffective means for navigating those traumas as, as children or as younger versions of ourselves. And so they travel with us. And not everybody's is as apparent as a fear of dogs or a fear of going to the zoo, but they're still there. Like you said, that one time that that one thing happened, all of a sudden now, I believe that's going to happen everywhere in my life. And I've seen that. I've experienced it myself. I would say on a smaller level, I wouldn't consider myself a highly traumatized person, but I've been in the company of others who are. And it's, it's almost difficult to comprehend. Like how, how could you possibly think that? How could you possibly think that everybody is going to treat you this way, but really recognizing that's a real experience for some folks that the, the, the difficulty or the inability to process that trauma fully 
to just move on with it like animals do. I think I'm sure you're familiar with Peter Levine's work and Waking the Tiger. It's, it's just so massive. So that there's a lot. I, I th- sometimes I think the the fusion between Peter Levine and Brene Brown, like these are like just wisdom bombs that the greater culture needs right now, this generation in particular, if we're going to change the change the course and change directions. Mm, I totally feel you, brother. I am. Um sitting in this space and talking about men and, and all this, I think the biggest sort of favor or, or biggest act of, of, of love that we can give ourselves is just to acknowledge that we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Mm. Just to sit in the space and to, to acknowledge the fact that there is always growth. There's growth within us. There's growth within us and it doesn't make us weak. It doesn't make us wrong or bad or less than. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is the journey. There is so much. We're never going to know it all and it's okay. But what we can do for ourselves is just, sit and acknowledge that hey we can become better and that's beautiful and that's amazing there's more love within us there's deeper relationships there's more sense of fulfillment in our existence even when we've done the work Mm -hmm. there's still more Mm -hmm. and that's beautiful it's not something to be ashamed of or to feel weak about it's hey we're all in this together Mm. like let's not deny that there's improvement within us yeah Absolutely, man. Well, listen, Ben, true to form, you dropped us right into the vulnerable space. And I I love the direction this conversation went in. Normally, like I mentioned to you before, I start off the conversation with what does it mean to be a man? But with everything that's already been shared, I'd love to hear your perspective, given everything that you've told us today and shared about yourself. What do you think it means to be a man? Yeah, thank you, dude. I am This might be a different answer, but for me, what does it mean to be a man? It means being all all of who I can be. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is I think we've been conditioned to represent just a small part of who we can be as men. We've gone all in on this masculine energy Mm. of being a strong, tough, brave warrior. Mm. And sure, that's part of us. And I never want to deny that in any man. It's there within us all, but let's not forget about the rest of us Mm. that exist that we've we've learned to bury. Mm -hmm. So for me, being a man is leaning into all of who you can be as a man. And that's both the masculine and the feminine energy. Mm and allowing it to integrate and allowing you to be a warrior, a magician, a lover, a king, someone who can celebrate all of who he is at the right times because there's time we need to be strong and tough and make, and make stuff happen. There's also times when we need to soften and surrender and share our love and appreciation and gratitude and presence and love, compassion for the humans around us mm-hmm. and integrating that. That's being a man for me, mm-hmm. allowing all of it to be felt. Yeah. Uh, I love that answer, man. I'm going to follow it up because uh, we didn't we didn't really get deeply into this specifically, but you mentioned talking about masculinity in 2021 because I I know that being a man in masculinity often gets lumped together. So just a few moments hearing from you on what does it look like to bring masculinity to the forefront in in our lives as men. Tough thing to know right now, isn't it? You know, I hear women want men to be leaders and to be strong and to look after them and to be strong and present. But they also want us to suddenly like to be emotional and to show all of our emotions and to be soft and vulnerable. And, you know, uh, can we approach women and and show them that we're interested or do we stand back and let them come to us? And is that weak? And is this too much? And what is it all like? How do we, who am I? What am I meant to be? Who do you want from me? I feel like there's so much, like, Mm. I just don't know who it is to be a man. And I think, you know, for me, it's kind of similar to what what I said before, but you know, being a man and masculinity in 2021 is finally acknowledging that we can be both strong and, and soft. Mm. We can be tough and loving. We can be kind and ruthless. You know, we can be all of those things. It's just piecing it together at the right times and doing it from our heart of, of who we truthfully are, the truth of 
what's within us rather than the fear of who we should be. Mm. So we, we've got to drop into that space. I know it's not a clear answer and it might not necessarily make sense to the people answering this, but it does take work. We've got to be introspective. We need time to get to know who we really are. You know, we can't be who we are if we haven't spent it. We need peace. We need solitude. We need time connecting inwards. Yeah. No, that's great. I, within that, what I hear is the words choice and discernment keep coming up for me. Not knowing who people want me to be is, I think it's a, it's a misdirected use of our energy. It's more like, well, who do I want to be? You know, how do I want to approach women? How do I want to present myself in the company of strangers? What do I want that to look like? Because the only thing I can control is that when I walk away from this, I get to look back and say, well, what did I do? What did I choose for myself and how I wanted to be? And can I live with that? Am I okay with that? Was I true to form, true to self, true to who I know myself to be? I think it's said, a lot of people say that, be true to yourself, own your truth, you know, be in that way. But it's a lot easier said than done. And I do think that it is a practice and a discipline. And so, so yeah, that's what I hear in what you're saying is, is letting go of some more of these ideas of who other people want us to be and really thinking about, okay, well, who do I want to be? And maybe the follow-up from that is, well, who, who do my people need me to be? Maybe not well, who they want me to be, but who do I need to be to really be of service to the people around me and the people that I care about? I think those are different. Probably ask yourself that question, you get different answers to them. Yeah, totally, brother. And, and who taught us to do that work? Mm. You know, like, God, we go through life and unless we actively go out of our way to seek those questions, mm. they're not part of our everyday life, are they? And they're essential. How can we be who we really are meant to be if we never ask ourselves the question of who do we want to be? Oh, man. Like, who do I need to be? It's paralyzing, actually. It's, it's interesting. I asked that question to a lot of men, and it's still interesting how hard it is for men to answer that question. I still find myself having a hard time answering that question, catching myself thinking, wow, is that, is that really what I want? Or am I doing that with somebody else's influence still? Or am I, is my dad's voice still influencing my decisions is my wife is my is society or what other people what i see on social media is that still influencing me so i think that alone is a really good practice is, is whose voice is telling me what i want and if if any man who's listening you haven't really given yourself permission to declare what you want i don't care about how you're going to get there i don't care about what it needs to look like let go of the strategy just if you had it all your way right now what would you want what do you want what do you want your life to look like it's amazing how difficult it is for men to answer that question hmm. And truthfully, it's not just a quick, well, I want this, I want that, I want that, and I want that. It's like, let's go, you got to go, let's get it beneath the surface mm -hmm. here. Let's ask this at a, at a, this, we're looking for your deepest values. Mm -hmm. You've got to scrape away some shit to get there. It's not just, yeah, I want ice cream and I want women, I want Vegas and I want that. You know, that's, we're not, we're not getting into the depth here yet. You know, that might, how good, how good does it fit on the long term? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like really fulfilled by those experiences deeply after them or were they fun at the time? But left perhaps something missing and it's what's missing that we're trying to tap into totally man i love that well this has been a really fun conversation ben i really enjoyed it i would also say it's been medicine for me checking in with how i feel at the end of this conversation with you i feel uplifted i typically do after these interviews but even more so i just feel like i really i really got something out of this so i want to thank you for that and Maybe just an opportunity to check in with check in for yourself. I know we were both coming in here with some like feeling a little bit flustered for different reasons. How are you feeling right now? Mm, yeah, thank you. I am. Um, you know, I, I feel so alive. I feel so seen. I feel heard. And what I love, I, you know, I always have this phrase in my head that I, I just just always comes to me, and that's like I don't I don't really know anything about you to be honest. I don't know your hobbies. I don't know your interests. I don't know, but 
this might sound kind of cheesy, but I said earlier in the earlier in this, in this conversation, lean into the things that make you cringe. And you know, hearts see hearts. It doesn't matter what what our hobbies are. Like if we speak with a freedom of our truth, then we connect. And I, I believe that we can all meet in, in some place. And I feel that's that's what I've done. I felt I, I feel you, and I I see your heart, and that for me is a beautiful experience. So I'm. Mm. I just feel alive and grateful. Thank you, brother. Thank you for holding the space. You got it, Ben. Well, before I cut you loose, I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. And then of course, want to hear where you'd like people to go follow you and check out the amazing work you're doing. So you ready for a few final questions? Ready. All right. So what is one thing that you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18? Just to trust. Let go of shits and just trust who you really are. Mm-hmm. I'd say that. What do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Oh... I, I would kind of leave off the man, but just the most important value for me is, is connection, community, you know, of being of service. Yeah. Connection to sum it up. And then uh, lastly, what does the world need most from men right now? Uh, truth, truth, honesty, and respect. Mm, that's another great topic, right? The difference between just like free, open truth, but truth from a reverent place and, and a community oriented yes. truth. That's a... That's a fun topic for another yeah. day. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to catch up on chapter two. Absolutely. But yeah, Ben, it's been amazing. Um, I'm sure anyone listening here is going to want to know more about you. So where would you like people to come and find you and connect with you and share in more vulnerable conversations? Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, like I think the rest of the world now, everything kind of revolves around Instagram for me. I just put it all there. So I, I, um, I have a, a name, The Naked Professor on Instagram, which is about me showing up and and peeling off the mask, stripping away and, and, and let myself be fully seen. And so that's where I, I do all my work. Yeah. Just love to connect with people. Beautiful. So we'll put that up in the show links at The Naked Professor on Instagram. Ben, it's been an honor, man. Loved having you here today. Uh, one last thing that I'll say is over the past 20 minutes, I've watched the sun, whatever, wherever it's coming through in your room, just kind of, it kind of went over your eye and it's kind of <laughs> moved around your face. And it's kind of cool because you're talking about connection. And I was just thinking, wow, that same sun, I have my, my blinds closed right now, but it, it would be hitting me in the face right now too. So just the simple ways in which we're connected like that, like you're, I mean, you're almost on the other side of the world <laughs> for more, for all intents and purposes. And, and here we are, man, we're, we're sharing the same sunlight. So. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Totally. Yeah. Beautiful brother. Excellent. Ben. Thank you. Well, lots of blessings to you, man. Thanks for taking the time today and have a wonderful evening. Thank you, brother. And you. All right, y'all, make sure you cruise over to risingman.org to get links and resources for this episode and every episode of the podcast as well, an opportunity to jump into any one of our offerings through the Rising Man community. Jump in today, get yourself involved. Look forward to seeing you inside the fire. Please subscribe to our podcast and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Give us a follow on Instagram as well at Rising Man Movement. Big ups to my Rising Man power team, the leadership team over here at Rising Man, and everybody in the whole Rising Man community. Super grateful for all the support that you've shown day in, day out, year in, year out. We're going to continue moving, going to continue moving, going to continue bringing the strength back to our core of this community. So until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.